Greetings, beloved, in Jesus' name, amen. Greetings, beloved, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, what we are going to share about today, we are continuing with building the church of the Lord or the Lord's house. But I want to ask you individual questions too. And you don't have to, to answer it loudly, but I want you to reflect on the two questions I'm asking you. And uh, you need to answer it for yourself between you and your God. Okay? Can we make that deal? You don't have to answer me out loud, but between you and God, answer the two questions that I'm asking you. The first question is, <clears throat> why have you come to church? You, because others might have come for other reasons. But you, why have you come to church? The second question is, what do you go to church to do? And those questions, you can't ask other people to answer them for you because each one of us, when we decide to come to church, we know why we're coming to church. And the reason shouldn't be because it's Sunday. Because otherwise, if you don't have more reason than just because it's Sunday, you are going to easily get offended and no longer go, want to go to church because you don't know why you're going to church. You will even have this thing where sometimes you feel bored to go to church. Something comes and all of a sudden, ah, I don't have to go to church today, I need to do this. Because you don't know why you go to church. So it means if you really ask yourself that question and know why do I go? church. Why, what do I do when I go to church? Then you are going to even pray for the service. Because whatever your expectation of what you are going to get in church, you know the Lord has to meet you at your point of need. We want that when we come to the house of the Lord, you need to have that desire to have an encounter with God. Okay? So I know we would say I go to church to praise and to worship that's another important element. But specifically, what do you go to church? So it might be to praise, to worship, to have an encounter with God, to be serviced, like we say, because it's a Sunday, it's like you are getting serviced like a car going to service. And others also come to, have their, to meet God, meet their needs. Amen? But then you need to ask yourself that question, because if you don't ask that question, so let's go together to the book of to our text scripture in Matthew 16, 18. If you do not answer those questions for yourself, you are going to be bored <laughs> to, with church. And you will go to church with no expectation and get nothing. That's what people without expectations get, nothing. Amen? So sometimes when you feel like, I really don't know why and all that. Because the sower, the Bible talks about Jesus. You remember the story when Jesus talked about the sower sows the weird, sows the seed. It was the same sower sowing the same seed, but the difference was on the preparedness of the hearts, the preparedness of the soil. Okay? Because you might find after church somebody is very much blessed and say, the Lord has been ministering to me. The Lord was speaking directly to me. And you feel I was slumbering. I didn't know what was happening. So, but if I say, why do I go to church? What do you do when I'm in church? So that we may understand the kind of church that Jesus is building. Matthew 16, 18, King James Version says, And I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Okay. So it means we agreed last week that when Jesus says, I will build my church, it means the church is the Lord's. Secondly, it is God building it. It's Jesus himself building it. And if it's Jesus himself building it, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But then, we also talked about we are co-workers with God. But I want you to understand that when you come to the house of the Lord, come with an expectation. Come with an ex expectation to have an encounter with God that we should never go out the same way that we've come to this place. Otherwise, you would have wasted your time. You get that? Go with me to the book of Matthew 18.20 in the King James Version. I want to start it just with, uh, because if you know that when we gather together, Jesus is among us, then you will be expectant. 
Because I don't believe Jesus would just be among us to do nothing. Amen. You will be expectant. So when you come to the house of the Lord, you can say, I'm going to praise and to worship the Lord. I'm going to be serviced. But I'm going also to have an encounter with the Lord. I want to meet the owner of the church. Because if you go to church just to meet people and not meet the owner of the church, you will have some breakdowns along the way. Amen? So Matthew 18, 20, King James Version says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Did you see that? So he says, where two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, he is there among them. So if he is there among us, what is he there to do? He is there among them where two or three gather in the name of Jesus. So he is there to minister to us as we minister to him. Amen. There should be something. So when I go to the house of the Lord, beside meeting my friends and greeting them, I want to sense that I've been with God. Amen. Because otherwise, if you do not know why you go to church, church will be boring for you. And you will easily be offended. Sometimes maybe somebody does this to you and you no longer want to go to church because you didn't know why you were going to church. Okay? So if Jesus says, where two or three gather in, the name, in my name, I'm there among them, I want to take you through some of the scriptures just to show you that when you come to church, be highly expected. Because we're talking about the church of the Lord. Go with me to the book of Luke chapter 6. Verse 17 to 19 in the King James Version. Luke 6, 17 to 19 King James Version. I will show you that even in the ministry of Jesus, people who went to Jesus with an expectation received something. Amen? You need to know why you want to go to the Lord or to the house of the Lord. Only then you will receive something. So it says, Luke 6, 17 to 19 King James Version. And he came down with them and stood in the plain, and the company of his disciples, and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem. You see there, it was saying two or three gather. Here we are hearing a great multitude of people from Judea and, and Jerusalem, <coughs> and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. I want you to look at this because these people came to do something. They came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. So it means they came with an expectation. They didn't come and say, whatever happens there. They came to hear and to be healed. So if they came with an attitude of hearing and to be healed, they would not allow anything that disturbs them from hearing. But if you come without knowing why you're coming, many things will distract your attention. So they came to hear and to be healed of their diseases. And they were they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him and healed them all. I want to ask you a question. Why were they all healed? Because they went to if they went for something else, they would not have gotten healed. I want you to understand this because these people had an expectation when they went to meet the Lord. So they went to hear and to be healed. That's why they were all healed. What do you go to church to do? Why do you come to church? Luke 5.15. Still in the King James Version. Luke 5.15. It says, but so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. You see this thing? It's repeating. So it says, great multitudes came together to do what? To hear and to be healed. That's why they heard and they were healed. Amen. So it means you need to know why am I going to church? 
It's about me and my God. So the reason shouldn't just be because it's Sunday. You should know this is why I'm going to church. And you will never miss church for anything if that becomes your attitude. You will not allow anything to disturb you because you are focused. You know why you want to go to church. So the people who went to the Lord, some of them went to hear and to be healed. And then they were healed. So Jesus talks about his church as a powerful body of Christ. And as a place where things do happen. As a place of authority that he has delegated to us. So I want to go with you to the book of Matthew chapter 16, 18 and 19. And look at the kind of church that Jesus is building. Jesus is not building a feeble church. He's not building a defeated church. He's building a church that meets the needs of people. He's building a church that knows you as an individual and the Lord will minister to you and you have a personal encounter with him. We are all unique here. Each one of us have got a specific thing about us which is different from somebody else. So when I go to church, I need to say, Lord, meet me at my point of need. I want to have a personal encounter with you. I want to praise and worship you. I want to sense your presence. I will even pray for the service before I go to church. I will prepare my heart. I don't want to be like the seed that is sown uh, on stony ground, which the birds of the air comes and takes away. I don't want to be like a seed that's sown by the, the, the wayside. Okay? I don't want to be like a seed that's sown among thorns. I want to be a good soil. So it means I will do all the preparations before I go to the house of the Lord. And this is what church will be like. Matthew 16, 18, and 19. We'll do it in the message this time. And thanks, Ms. Uh, Simango, for reminding us to do it in the message during prayer time. And now I'm going to tell you who you really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church. A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. You see the kind of church that Jesus wants to build? A church full of energy. Tell your neighbor, a church full of energy. That the gates of hell cannot keep it out. That's the kind of church I belong to. Amen? Because he says he's building his church that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth. Earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. You see the kind of church that Jesus is building? A powerful church. A glorious church. A victorious church. And you and I are that church. So you cannot be that church if you go to church without knowing why you're going to church. If you go to church without knowing what you need to do in church. Amen. This is about our individual relationship with God. Because sometimes people, you may go to church because somebody invited you. That's good for a start. But you can't be keeping on going to church because somebody invited you. You need to have something personal between you and God. In a way that even if somebody who invited you no longer wants to go to church, you will still go to church because now you have an encounter with the Lord. You remember when the Samaritan woman went to the city and invited the people? When she invited them, she said, come and see the man who told me everything that I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They went because she invited them. But you know what they said when they left? They said, now we believe him not because of what you told us. We had him ourselves. We have an encounter with him ourselves. So if you, the Samaritan woman, want to desert him, we can no longer desert him because we've had him ourselves. We had an encounter with him. And that should be your attitude. Somebody might have invited you when you started. But the moment you come to the house of the Lord, have personal connection with the Lord, know the Lord your God that you serve. Amen. And when we come to church, we are unique, each one of us. We've got different needs. We come here for different reasons, but you need to know why you come to church. So I will take you to another story where a lot of people were in a place. In the book of 
John chapter 5. We want to talk about these people who were lying by the pool of Bethesda. Because I want a church to be like a pool of Bethesda, which is called, that word, Greek word for Bethesda, they say it's, it's the word that means a house of mercy. So in other words, the church should be that place where when people, wherever they are coming from, they might have been oppressed or feeling like this or feeling like that. But may it be that they feel like if I go to church, I will have an encounter. Even if I go to church being a sinner, I will not be condemned. I will find mercy. Amen? If I go to church sick, I will get healed. If I go to church oppressed, let it be that when I leave church, I am free. Amen. So listen to this with me. John chapter 5, 2 to 9, King James Version, it says, Now there is at Jerusalem by the ship market a pool which is called in Hebrew, tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In this lay a great multitude. So again, here you will see a lot of people lay a great multitude of important folk of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. I want you to look at this. It says there were a lot of people there by the pool. Like you come to church, you are many. Of us, all of us, we come here. Whatever reason you're coming here for. So it says when they were there, whosoever was first to step into the water was made whole whatever disease he had. So it was not about this one had a bigger problem than the other one. So the one with a lesser problem will get help easy. No. As long as you were first, you get it. Amen irrespective of what your need was. Okay? Now, there are times sometimes when we get things in the house of the Lord just because the presence of the Lord is there without even us having to believe anything. But if you look in the ministry of Jesus, in many places you will always hear Jesus saying, your faith has made you whole. It is your faith that has initiated this miracle. And that's why you are getting it. So when you come to church, have that attitude of activating your own miracle. But now look at this man. There was a certain man there where Jesus had to initiate a miracle for him. This is very rare. If you look through scriptures, I only know this one as the part where Jesus initiated a miracle for somebody. All the others, people themselves initiated a miracle. So like I'm saying to you, there are times sometimes you can get something from the Lord because the gifts of the spirit are in operation. It's like when it's sail time, it talks. Bargain time, okay? But that's not the usual way of doing things, okay? Once in a while, you were just at the right place at the right time, and you got it. But that should never be your attitude in church because that's not how Jesus operated all throughout his ministry. This, is, this was an isolated incident, but I still want us to look at it. Look at this. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity, 38 years. So people there around the pool, they had problems, different problems, isn't it? And even the duration of their problems were different. But one of them had a problem for 38 years. So all of us here, who has a problem for more than 38 years? Anybody? A problem for more than 38. Okay, it seems not, isn't it? Yeah, because some are not even 38 years. So it means if this man's problem was there for 38 years and still his problem was resolved, okay? So when you come to an encounter with God, it doesn't matter how long your problem has been. If you come with an expectant heart, you will meet the Lord. But this man, Jesus was just merciful to this one because Look at this. Jesus, this man did not initiate this miracle. Jesus initiated it for him and completed it. Look at verse 6. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had now been a long time in that case, he says unto him. You see now, Jesus sees this man lie there 
and realized this man has been lying like this for 40 years. Because he had compassion on him. And Jesus initiated a miracle. Instead of that man initiating his own miracle, you will hear about the woman with the issue of blood. In the crowd, she said, if I can just touch his garment, I will be made whole. We hear of that one woman in the crowd being healed, but we hear of the crowds pressing on Jesus. The Bible doesn't tell us about other people who were healed there. You might find she was the only person who received in that crowd. So it means it's possible that in the crowd, you might be the only person who received. Like the woman with the issue of blood, isn't it? But the other crowds that Jesus came to, you remember the crowds that we read in the book of Luke? It says they came to hear and to be healed. And they were all healed because they all came with an expectation. Amen? They knew why they were coming there. So they all received. So in a case where some are not having expectation, they won't receive. And you better have an expectation. You better know why you come to church. You better know what you do in church. So listen to this. Jesus says to him, Will thou be made whole? In other words, do you want to get healed? What do you think a man who has been suffering for 38 years should say? Yes, say yes, 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 please, yes, please. That's what he should have done. Because he's been suffering for 38 years. But look at this. The important man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. The question is, do you want to be healed? He should have said, yes, please, yes, please, yes, please. So this man had no faith. Okay? But he got his miracle because that time Jesus just initiated. So there is a thing we call, when the gifts of the Spirit are in operation, sometimes you get things without any faith. Because the Lord himself, this miracle was initiated by Jesus. But the point I'm driving here for you to see is that there were a lot of people there and the one who would step in first, the one who would take action first, was the one who gets healed. So if you are among the crowd and you do nothing, you get nothing. Okay? So this man says, when I'm trying to get, there's nobody to help me and all that. Now listen to this. Jesus says to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed and walked. And on the same day, it was a Sabbath. Did, did this man have to jump into the water to get healed? No, because Jesus was there. So it means when Jesus is there, he doesn't always have to use the formula. Amen? Because sometimes you find we have our own formulas, and we miss a miracle because we are still waiting for our formula. So Jesus himself is the healer, and he's there behind, before this man. He says, do you want to be healed? Jesus is the healer, isn't it? He doesn't need that water. He can heal himself straight. But the man says, I don't have anybody to help me into the water because the formula is you need to be in the water to be healed. And Jesus said, I don't have to use the formula. Raise up, rise up, take your bed and walk. And the man walked without stepping into the water. So if you come before the Lord and you've got an expectant heart, Expect the unexpected. Amen? Expect the unexpected. Sometimes it should be that even when we are still just preaching, before we even say we want to pray for the sick, we want to pray for you, and you find you are already healed. <clears throat> Amen? Because you are expecting the unexpected. You are already geared up to say, if the Lord is there, he said where two or three gather in his name, he is there among them. So if he is there, I want to receive. Amen? So that when you are in the house of mercy, you will receive. Now, I want to link this thing of the church as the body of Christ. I want to link it with the church as a building. Because both of them are important. Of course, the most important one is the body of Christ. But I want to show you in scriptures that even the building is important to God. Amen? As long as it's a church. So there was a time when um, Solomon finished building the house of the Lord, the temple. 
When he finished building it, he dedicated it to the Lord. And when he dedicated it, he prayed something like, Lord, may you always have your eyes upon this place. He was talking about a place now. He was not talking about the body. And he said, may you hear the prayers that are made in this place. And listen to how God answers him. Second Chronicles 7, verse 12 to 16. I'll do it in the New King James Version. Because I want you to understand, we are going to link now the body of Christ, the church as the body of Christ believers, but also the building, the presence of the Lord in a particular place. Okay? And when you go to church, because when I say when you go to church, you will identify that place called church as a building, isn't it? But may I have an encounter when I go there. May I know that the Lord's eyes are upon that place. Amen? I know God can meet me anywhere, but then there is this. 2 Chronicles 7, 12 to 16. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place. I want you to look at the words, this place, which means God is also concerned about a place. Because sometimes we say it doesn't matter about the place. More often than not, it doesn't matter, but there are times when a place matters. Amen? He said, I have chosen this place for myself as a house for sacrifice. When I shut up the heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or set pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name, now he's linking the people. He talked about the place, now he's talking about the people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then... I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. I want to just look at that first. So if he says, if my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn away from their wicked ways. Now, what if my people do not humble themselves? What if my people do not pray? What if my people do not seek my face? What if my people do not turn from their wicked ways? Will I hear them from heaven and heal their land? No. Isn't it? So it means, that's why I'm saying, expect something from God and then do what God wants you to do. So he says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, turn their way from their wicked ways, seek my face, I will hear from heaven and heal their land. Now verse 15. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayers made in this place. So he talks about the place, isn't it? For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually in that house. You get that? So Jesus was also interested in the house. I want us to go to the book of Matthew chapter 21. You will read it for us, uh, Mr. MJ, verse 12 to 13 in the NLT. Matthew 21, 12 to 13. Maybe I should talk to you seated. I'm getting a bit tired now, so somebody give me a chair. And I can minister seated and relaxed. Matthew 21, 12 to 13, NLT. Amen. Read it. 12 to 13. Mm-hmm. So, Mr. MJ, you were reading it like gentle Jesus. But Jesus here was not gentle. For me, it's got an exclamation mark. Does it have an exclamation mark in your Bible? Huh? So read it like it has an exclamation mark. He said to them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. So he was angry with them about what was taking place in his 
house, in his church, in the temple. You get that? So he says, it says he threw the table, the money changers. So people were doing business in church. And Jesus was not happy about that. And when he threw their, so if they had tables, imagine people making money in church. And this one has got his stall there. This one has got his stall there. He threw them like this. And then he said, my temple will be called a house of prayer. But you have turned it into a den of thieves. So here he was talking about the temple, which was a building. Okay? Because the name of the Lord is supposed to be in the temple. But people were now making business in church. So read John 2, 14 to 17, the New King James Version. John 2, 14 to 17, NKJV. Fourteen to seventeen NKJV. So again, he found in the temple. Here we are going. We are talking about the church as a building, okay? But Jesus was equally concerned about the church as a building as he was about his body. So he came to the temple. He found those who. So many changes doing business. So we asked you the question when I started here. So we asked you a question when we started here. We said, why do you come to church? So here, do you see why some were going to church? What were they going to do? Business. Okay? So some would be coming to church just for business because I know if I go to church, there's a lot of people there I can quickly make some feedbacks. So Jesus was not happy about that, okay? So because they were doing their own business instead of the father's business. We should be busy with the father's business. So he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's... Okay, read it yourself, Mr. MJ. When he had made a whip of cords, Mm. he drove them all out of the temple. He made even a whip. Mm. Okay? That's tough. He was so angry that he even wanted to whip them. And he threw their money. So if the other one... So, MJ, I will just give an example. I know you don't sell things in church. <laughs> but let's say one stall was yours. Another one was maybe Mr. Munguswaras. The other one was uh, Mr. Office. So when he was throwing them, he didn't wait for them to first count their monies, each one of them. <laughs> he just threw everything like this and said, you can't do business in church. My house should be called the house of prayer. And he was beating them. Continue. He drove them out, all out of the temple with mm-hmm. the sheep and the oxen mm-hmm. and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. Amen. Uh-huh. He, he said to those who sold doves, mm. take these things away. Yeah. Don't make my father's house a house of merchandise. Don't make my father's house a house of merchandise. We are not doing business here. Mm-hmm. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Mm -hmm. zeal for your house has eaten me up. So his his brethren remembered that it was written, the zeal for your house has eaten me up. The way Jesus is behaving today is because he's so passionate about his house. That's why he's behaving like this. We know him as gentle Jesus. But the way he's behaving today, there's something that he's saying, you can't do business in my father's house. And by the way, we are in a business with the Lord, but not the kind of business they were busy with. So the kind of business we are busy with, we are co-workers with God. We shared with you, let's go there, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, from 6 to 11. So we shared with you last week about the fact that we are co-workers with God. So if we are co-workers with God, it means the kind of business we should be busy with should be God's business. Tell your neighbor the business we should engage ourselves in should be God's business. Because in this company, in other words, I call this company, the company that we are in, I call it God, sons and daughters. You know when you employ people, you want to employ a certain company and you give them a job. So our company is called God, sons and daughters. 
and our business is through the will of our Father. So look at this. First Corinthians chapter six, chapter three, verse six to eleven, the Passion Translation, Mr. MJ. So I want you to look here. When we come to church, we should not have groupings. Because here Paul was addressing this. There were people, some of them, they were saying we belong to Paul. Others said we belong to Apollos. Even in church, you will find some people having groupings. Okay? Others belonging to one group, another one, another group, another one, another group. But listen to how Paul puts it. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 to 11, the Passion. I was the one who planted the church. TPT. Yes. Okay. I was the one who planted the church, and Apollos came and cared for it. Mm. But it was God who caused it to grow. So he says, I was the one who planted the church. Apollos came and cared for it. In other words, we are working together. I plant, Apollos, I plant a church. Like some of us, you find the Lord uses you, establish a church. But then others come and pastor the church. But it is God who makes it to grow. Continue. This means the one who plants is not anybody special, mm -hmm. not the one who waters, mm. for God is the one who brings the supernatural growth. So if it says that the one, so think even about the seed. When you plant a seed, it's easy, isn't it? You plant. And somebody waters, but the difficult part is to make it grow. Isn't it? So the one who makes it, the seed to grow, that's the most important one, which is God. But he needs somebody to have planted the seed. He needs somebody to have watered the seed for him to give the seed growth. So he says even God is the one who gives the church supernatural growth, but we have our roles to play. Continue verse 8 and 9. Now, the one who plants and the one who waters are equally important mm. and on the same team. Mm. But so each it says they are equally important and they are on the same team. team. Tell your neighbor, you are in the same team with me. We should care for one another. We should pray for one another. And we should, uh, we should all support one another. And complement and not compete with one another. And complement. It's like the example I gave you last week. I said when I came here to minister, even though it's my mouth that's doing most of the, the thing, like even when a person gets tired, okay? So when I get tired, it's not my mouth that gets tired, okay? If I've been ministering since morning and this and this, now I sit. It's not the mouth that gets tired, isn't it? But if one part is tired or the other part, then it affects the other part, which means we should be aligned to one another. Even in the body, it says we are the same team. Verse 9. We are co-workers with God, mm. and we are God's cultivated garden, mm. the house he is building. Okay, so we are co-workers with God, God's cultivated garden, the house he is building. So the Lord is building his church, but we are co-workers with him. We are building with him. Amen. Amen. We are building. You know the Sunday school used to say, building up the temple, building up the temple, building up the temple of the Lord. Brother, why don't you join? So the Sunday school, I said the other time, when the Sunday school even talk about building, they would come with their offerings, which is not that much. But because they've got a heart to build, I need them. in the Amen. We are the same team. So you can complete that. So I think for the sake of time, our time is going, I will take, let's begin our descending. Let's go to Zechariah 4, 6 and 7 in the Good News Translation. To say that in building, we need not undermine the work of the Holy Spirit. Because the Lord himself said, pray to the owner of the harvest, that he may send more laborers into his field. It is the Lord's field that we are busy with. It is not our own buildings. It is not our own work. We are doing the work of the Lord, building up the temple of the Lord. Zechariah 4, 6 to 7, I will read in the Good News Translation. It says, the angel told me to give Zerubbabel this message from the Lord. You will succeed. 
not by military might or by your own strength, but by my spirit. You see how it's good to work with the Lord? You don't always have to depend on your own strength. So as children of God, there are many things that will say, I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to do this. Do your part. But know that God is the one who enables you to do much, much more. I always equate the work of the Holy Spirit with, you know, if, let's say something, you need to swing something like this. It goes maybe in a falcrum and you're swinging it like this. If that thing is not oiled or greased, you go hard, isn't it? If you use might, you go hard. But once you put oil there or grease, it's not by power nor by might. It becomes easy. It's the same concept with a power steering. Okay? There's a certain fluid somewhere that's making things simple. Even if it's a truck, you don't have to fight with the truck. Isn't it? Because there's a certain fluid somewhere that's making things simple. So when here it says it's not by power nor by might, you need to remember that, that we depend upon the spirit of the Lord. As we are building, we are co-workers with him. Each one of us, we play our role. Verse 7, obstacles as great as mountains will disappear before you. It's only God who can make things melt like wax before him. Amen? You can't make obstacles to disappear before you yourself. You need the Lord. And then... You will rebuild the temple. And as you put the last stone in place, the people will shout, beautiful, beautiful. But you see how this house was built. It was the people and the Holy Spirit. Isn't it? The power of the Holy Spirit. So whether we are talking about building the church of the Lord as a building or building the church of the Lord as the body of believers, we need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You get that? So let's conclude with these two portions of scripture. First Chronicles 29, 1 to 9. I'll do it in the NLT. First Chronicles 29, 1 to 9 NLT. You will see that when David wanted to build the temple of the Lord, the house of the Lord, he depended, he wanted, he led by example, and he wanted the leaders to also participate and everybody else. So even when we are going to build the house of the Lord, whether we are building the body of the Lord as the body of Christ, we all need to be involved. And each one of us has got a part to play and play your role, play your part. Don't compete with others. Do what God has laid for you to do. So now he says, 1 Chronicles 29, 1-9 NLT, Then King David turned to the entire assembly and said, My son Solomon, whom God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. The work ahead of him is enormous. For the temple he will build is not for mere mortals, it is for the Lord God himself. You see, if you are going to build the temple with the thinking that this is not just for men, this is not just for pastor, this is not just for so and so, it is for God himself, your attitude will change, isn't it? in how you build. Because now you know this is about the Lord himself. He says, using every resource at my command, in other words, as the king, he gave something from the treasury of the king. He says, I've gathered as much as I could for building the temple of God. Now there is enough gold, silver, bronze, iron, and wood, as well as great quantities of onyx, other precious stones, costly jewels, and all kinds of fine stone and marble. And now, because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I am giving all my private, of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. You see how he was giving? He said, I've given first as a king, but because of my devotion for the, let's read it together. He says, where is verse? Verse 3. Now, because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I'm giving all this from my private treasury. So what do you do in, as a sign to say you are, you are doing it because of the devotion to the temple of your God? It means you need time with your God to say, Lord, what do you want me to do as we are going to build your house physically and spiritually? What is my role? Because of my devotion, 
this is what I'm going to do. He says, I'm going to give even from my own private treasures, gold, silver, to help in the construction. He says, this is in addition to the building materials I've already collected. Okay. Now, verse 5. And for the other gold and silver work to be done by craftsmen. Now, look at that last part of verse 5. Now then, who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? So it means as a leader, I sometimes need to give, you know, like when we say we are going to collect the timber and all that, it's good to follow the example of the leader. Okay? So it means as a leader, I need to say, who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord? When he did that, then, verse 6, then the family members, the family leaders, the leaders of tribes of Israel, the generals, the captains of the army, and the king's administrative officers all gave willingly. Now, I want you to understand this. It started with David. He says, who want to follow my example? Now, the leaders, the generals, the, all those big names, they now said, we also want to do this. Amen? So I hear that sometimes we say, men, we like to be called leaders of our families and leaders everywhere. So it means even when it comes to building the house, can we be seen as leaders? Huh? Because here, it says, then the leaders of families, yeah, family leaders, leaders of tribes of Israel, the generals, the captains, so you can see even the titles that they had. So you have to give even in line with that title. You see that? For the construction of the temple, so they gave this and this, this. Now I want you to go to verse 9. The people rejoiced over the offerings for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord, and King David was filled with joy. Now, if you look at this, David gave as an example because of his devotion to the Lord. And he said, who want to follow my example? As we are going to build the house of the Lord, follow my example. Do it willingly. So the leaders gave willingly. People saw that and they also gave willingly. You get that? So it means each one of us has got a role to play in building the house of the Lord. Whether we're talking about building the church of the Lord as a building or we're talking about building the church of the Lord as the body of believers, each one of us has got a role. So it means the question I asked you when we started is still valid. Why to church? What do you go to church to do? If you don't know why you go to church or what do you go to church to do, then you will not be helping in building the church of the Lord. Because the Lord himself wants us to partner with him to build. He wants us to partner with him as his co-workers in his business. Otherwise, that's why you will end up having your own businesses and not the business of the Lord. Amen? So I want us to conclude with 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, in the NIV. Because this one now summarizes it. If in building the house of the Lord, whether we're talking about the body of Christ, the church growth and all that, or we're talking about a building, if you do it knowing that you are doing it for the Lord, then you will not be discouraged. But if you do it for people, you will get discouraged. If you do it for people, you will say, people don't even see, people don't even appreciate, and you will give up. But look at this, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, NIV, Mr. MJ. Therefore, yeah. my dear brothers and sisters, mm. stand firm. Mm -hmm. Let nothing move you. Mm -hmm. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Amen. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen. So he says... My dear brothers and sisters, so I'm saying that also to you. My dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. As long as you know, uh, it says, always giving yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. So it is the, Lord, the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not. So all that you are doing, you are doing it because you serve God. Because you love God. Because you want to be building the church with the Lord himself. And we read last week that we have to follow a pattern. The Lord himself has got his plan, and we have to 
to, 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 to submit ourselves to the plan of the Lord and build with him. You get that? And it says, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So we are giving ourselves to the work of the Lord, knowing that this is the Lord's work. It is not my work. It is not even my work as the pastor. It is not even our work as the leadership of the church. It is not any individual's work. This is the work of the Lord. And if you are doing it because you're doing it for the Lord, because you love God, then the church will grow. Amen? Spiritually, we will say the church is growing. The church is united. We're working together as one body. This other scripture we read, it says we are one team. Amen? We'll be working together as one team. Because Paul was addressing the thing where people were starting to have groupings in church. So we need to be one team, pray for one another. When you want to go to church, you need to pray for the church service. Pray for the pastor. Pray for the worship team. That when we come here and we minister, may we minister from the throne of God. Amen? So that's how we do it. That's how we build the church with the Lord. And then we know that our labor in the Lord is not. Amen. For the sake of time, uh, I will say let's take just two minutes. Thank God for the word that we've had. And tell God anything that you feel the Lord was ministering to you in your heart about building the church of the Lord, whether it's physical or spiritual, whether it's about the body of Christ, the church as the body of Christ, or it's about the church as a building. Say, Lord, why am I here? Why have you placed me here at such a time as this? And why do I go to church? What do I do when I'm in church? Speak to the Lord the way you want to speak to him before we, we bless the Lord with our offerings. We can pray. Father, in the name of 